From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It is Wake Up War Champ, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, Renegade Express. Lots of good questions, Corey. Newcomers, returners, and a world where Florida State just hangs 650 yards every single Saturday and the quarterback never gets touched. Follow us, won't you? Wake Up War Champ, presented by the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee, Florida, cptallybar.com. That is the website. You can always hit that QR code on your screen. We'll take you right to that website. They'll have to do all that pesky typing. Lunch special today, hand-breaded chicken fingers. Go get you some. Social counter looking very robust as well over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Go check it out this weekend. Or shoot, if you can't make it this weekend, go sometime next week. Can't do next week, week after that. Just go. You'll love it. I promise. Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 2475 Appalachia Parkway. Only a few days left to hop on the special 10 American dollars, four months, full premium access to Warchant.com. No promo code needed. Just go to Warchant.com. It's right there on the front page. If you're not a member, you'll see it. It's in, like, neon green. You cannot miss it. Join us. It'll be fun. Thumbs up, five-star rating and review, and, yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Corey Clark, what is up, man? What's up, buddy? How you doing? You doing all right? Good. A little pep in the step. A little pep in the step step. Uh, feeling good, feeling good. How you feeling, man? You look, you look solid on Thursday, man. At uh, baseball availability, did you just get back from the gym, or are you on your way to the gym? I was just getting back. I was, uh, I just left the gym mm, and was right. uh, and got there. Not even a, a hard workout for you know for my standards mm. these days, Aslan. But uh, hey, I appreciate the shout out, buddy. Right I appreciate the shout out. Felt good. Felt good. Always feels good when you're leaving the gym. All right, let's get to the uh, mailbag. It's pretty much it's all. Uh, f- no, there was one basketball question. Random underscore John. Okay. Uh, baseball wise, though, real quick. So if you can make it out Friday today uh, over at Hauser, uh, six o'clock pit beforehand, though, get there beforehand, like 30 minutes early. Jameis Winston, Jalen Ramsey, Cam Akers, uh, lots of Irwin, al- right? Yeah, Irwin. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Lots of luminaries of, of yesteryear, yesterweek will be at Dick Hauser Stadium as part of like this junior day bonanza to. Uh, recruit the best and the brightest of the Florida State football program. So they're bringing some of these big-time alums back. And then Saturday, Buster Posey, uh, there will be a uh, celebration, retiring his number mm. uh, alongside J.D. Drew and some other greats, Mike Martin, uh, Dick Hauser. So it'll be a fun weekend. But baseball-wise, though, so I don't know. You you know more about baseball than I do. You know most about most everything more than I do. I don't know. I'd rather have White Crowell for three innings on Friday and Saturday or Saturday and Sunday than have him for six innings on Friday. He will start this weekend against Pitt. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it It just ha- it wasn't playing out like you wanted it to play out, right? Like, if, if they were going to use him the way I thought they were going to use him, then it would have made sense to keep him in that role. But if he's only going to pitch once a weekend anyway, which was what was happening, um, you know, why not? Let them start and go six or seven, and hopefully by that point, maybe you have an eight to one, eight to two lead, and the bull you can piece it together in the bullpen um, to get you a win. I, I, you know, look, he's going to pitch six innings. If he's going to pitch six innings in a weekend, um, and you're not going to split it up between two days, then it really doesn't matter if he comes in relief on a Sunday or a Saturday, or if he just starts on a Saturday. So that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. He's starting on he's starting on a Saturday, and 
Ballmeister and Montgomery stay Friday and Sunday. Okay. All right. There we go. Let's get to the mailbag. Casey underscore chance 13. Morning, fellas. I'm stuck here working mid-shift USAF. That's United States Air Force, kids. Waiting on the planes to come down. So I pulled up the spring roster. I saw 11 linebackers on there. There's no Ooh. way. I need to I need to corroborate this, Corey. I'm going to do it after I read this. I'll let you go. We all know who the starters will be, but do you all see anyone leaving to make room? Also, do you see younger guys sneaking into the lineup like an A.J. Cottrell? Thanks for the content and support the many sponsors of War Chant, everybody. So let me go here. I mean, if they really have 11 dudes, I don't, not all 11 are on scholarship. So I, no. that doesn't seem like a, an attrition piece of the scholarship puzzle, Corey, to me at least. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, I think the scholarship guys are, are um, if I can do them off the top of my head, Bethune, Deloach, Lundy, Dix, Brendan DeMarco. Grant, yeah. Graham, um, Blake Nicholson, although he's not here yet. DeMarco Ward's here, yeah. So Deloach, Lundy, Bethune, Gant, DeMarco Ward, early enrollee freshman, Stephen Dix, Omar Graham, uh, then uh, walk-ons, uh, McClasson, Cottrell, Oliver, Amay. Uh, yeah, they, I, I am still, that's, that's that and safety. And I'm going to keep saying this until I guess the roster changes or I just stop saying it. Um, those are the two that, that still concern me a little bit. I think you have solid ish players at those spots. Um, but if anything happens, I mean, you know, right now, if you're talking to Corey Clark and you are, you're listening to him in March of 2023, uh, if Steven Dix is having to be put into a starters role, you, you might be in trouble. I'm not trying to kill the kid, but I there's a there's a significant drop off between, in my opinion, Lundy, Bethune, and Deloach, and everybody else. And that you know, again, we'll see more now. You know, today the pads come on, um, and Graham, maybe Graham takes a step. That's allowed, right? He's a redshirt freshman. He made some flash plays last year as a true freshman. They do like him, so maybe he's a guy that can contribute. And maybe uh, it would have been so big if Blake Nicholson could have gotten here in the in the spring. Yeah. It just would have been so big for his development and also the team as a whole. But maybe Nicholson can somehow be one of those kids that just it, it, it clicks early and he can play fast and free even as a true freshman with 20 practices under his belt. I doubt that's happening, but maybe by the middle of the season he can he can earn some run. But, um, yeah, I, 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 as far as the question about um, attrition, I don't, you know, I'll those. I'll amend it, Corey. I don't know. I It'd be hard to see Dix? them. Yeah, but it'd be hard to see them push him out because he's coming off a season-ending injury. He's obviously rehabbed the best that he could. Well, what did we say? What are there eight scholarship linebackers? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. The Loach, so Lundy, Bethune, Gant, Ward, Dix, Graham, and Nicholson. Eight. Well, that's seven right now, but yeah, right. But eight in the right, spring. Right. That I mean, eight when you get to the fall. That's not a lot. Um, but they play four two five though, you know. They right, well, right, but I mean, I don't know if you like you. You're pointing out, like, you know, there might be a Dix could be a, a serviceable role player, and he is a guy that maybe can play you twenty snaps um, in certain situations against certain offenses. Um, he's not a guy that you're going to love in coverage, probably, but against certain offenses, maybe he makes sense. But it, he's also played a lot, or he's been around the program a lot. Um, I I just don't know that that's a guy that your that, that attrition helps your team. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't there, – there's other spots where you're going to lose some guys. I don't know that – linebacker to me, the depth of linebacker and safety, I think, if anything, you're adding to that 
position group, not not taking away from it. Next up, Island Chief. Wake up. Man, a duplicate question last week. I'm going to blame it on Alford's Board of Trustees comments that messed up my wake-up board chant listening plans. Mm. Moving on, though, here's my question. Last year, wideouts, big step forward as a group. Do they have another step like that in them? Can Johnny Wilson become All-American? Uh, the second question, yes, he can. I'm not, I don't know that he will. I'm not predicting he will. But you think about some of the drops he had. Um, he probably he finished with 900 yards receiving. He could have had I don't know, twelve eleven fifty yeah twelve hundred. I mean he he dropped some if he if he makes almost all of the catches um, because he makes the spectacular ones and he can make um, he he made plenty of routine ones too. But there were also plenty of almost spectacular ones he didn't grab and plenty of routine ones that he dropped. If those can be eliminated by eighty percent, then I think you're looking at all American candidate because he's unguardable. He's just unguardable. What do you do with him? He made on Wednesday a couple other. It's almost like with him, you don't even judge the DBs. Yeah. You know, yeah. if if Portier or Williamson makes a catch leaping over you, you're like, come on, man, you got to fight harder. If Johnny Wilson makes a catch over you, you're like, well, what are you going to do? Right. Good try. Get him next time. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, as a group, though, I mean, I think Darion Williamson yeah. There, there's a lot of room between he and his ceiling, so yep. I could see him obviously become – and they, they really like him a lot, man. They they run him out there uh, quite often. Obviously, Winston Wright's a guy that we didn't see at all last year. He now becomes part of your probably main rotation of guys. Yeah, they could be pretty formidable. Uh, big step, why not? I mean, you, you got nothing. You, I mean, you got nothing out of Winston Wright. Now you're hoping you're going to get 13 weeks out of him, 12 games, regular season. And then Darion Williamson, you – you know, only was really scratching the surface until week four, and then you lost him. So I certainly could see that. And we'll see how these freshmen look. I mean, Hakeem and uh, Van Dravis Jacobs out there as well, they'll, they'll help. So, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. The, the running game is going to be the running game. It's just what he does. Everywhere he's been, uh, Norvell has figured this thing out. Now Alex Atkins has got this offensive line to a really strong point. So um, really good offensive, uh, really good receiving group. Yeah, and, and, and I think Pokey, you lost Pokey and you lost Malik McClain. Well, I think Darian Williamson can more than make up for Malik McClain. I, again, I, I think Darian Williamson is a guy that is about to take off. This is the year. Uh, he stands out a lot in practice. That body type and the way he moves is pretty impressive. Um, and you could tell in the bowl game they how much they think about him um, because it, when he was finally healthy, they, they ran a lot of stuff for him. They wanted him involved. Um, I think he's a guy that, it hit the addition. It's basically like what he played two games last year that mattered. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think he played two games uh, and Winston Wright played zero games. So those are like free agent acquisitions, but good players. So, uh, yeah. And then you just got to imagine that guys like Portier, Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, they all get better. And if they just get incrementally better and then these two guys can at least replace and probably outproduce what Malik McLean and Pokey Wilson gave you then, uh, yeah, you look like you're going to have a better uh, wideout group. I don't know if it'll take the same sizable leap that it took but from 2021 when it was awful to 2022 when it was actually pretty good, but it should take another jump. I just don't know if it'll be like a, you know, the Bob Beeman jump it took last year. Strong. 63 reps out of Darion over four games. Duquesne, Louisville, Boston College, Oklahoma. Yeah. So, I mean, he grayed out at 93.2 against Boston College. Strong. He was awesome, man. Yeah. He, I mean, I, I, I there is a chance, right, that he's like the next big thing here. 
I, I truly believe that. I, I don't. I, I haven't seen enough of it, and we'll see. Again, pads are on starting today, and it's his spring. He needs to shine this spring. They know what Johnny can do. Johnny's got to get better too, but Darian Williamson needs to stake his claim this spring to what he's going to be on this football team, and I, I think he will. I, just the way – the I, it, it's not normal the way he moves, in and out of breaks at that size. He could be a real difference maker. Kurt OFD78. One of those firefighter guys that we were hanging out mm -hmm. with in Orlando. Yep. Wake up, fellas. With the number of tight ends we will have on this team, I wondered about a possible new offensive wrinkle for Coach Norvell and Atkins. We come out of a timeout situation. The team all gathered up on the sideline, and then we break the huddle with the following skill players. I'm going to mark this down. I'm going to add some, like, chimes, like some fantasy kind of sounds. Mm, okay. Trey Benson, Jordan Travis, backfield. Marquise and Douglas, Lined up next to a tackle on one side. Kyle Morlock, Jarrell Powers, Jaheim Bell all spread out at traditional wide receiver spots. This personnel group gives us numerous options depending upon alignment. Travis can keep. He can hand it to Benson. He can throw it to any of these five eligible receivers on the field. In a run play, the tight ends provide a formidable blocking group, though give up the ability to stretch the field. In a pass play, we've got five options that are physical mismatches with most, if not all, of the back seven of a defense. Near the goal line, this grouping could present numerous problems if they are bunched in tightly. Heck, we could even run a jet sweep with Bell between the 20s. What say you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, why not? I, I don't know that it'll be that many tight ends on the field in, in certain situations, but um, Jaheim Bell will be a very big part of whatever they're doing in any offense, whether it's goal line, third and 12. I mean, he's going to be a big part of it. And uh, Marquis, yeah, I mean, I think there will be some three tight end sets where it's not traditional three tight ends where they're all it's goal line and you're 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 just going to run it up the middle. Um, they, they've got some unique body types and some unique ability in that room. Um, and again, they they love Jarrell Powers. Now, Jarrell Powers looks good out there, man. Just the way he runs, he's certainly behind the other guys. But the way he moves at that size, again, that's a that's a guy that could be something. Um, they they that room has upgraded. Uh, significantly, and yes, they did not bring them here to not play a lot. I I just wonder, certain yeah, you could take advantage of certain defenses, I'm sure, and catch them off guard. Like, look, man, Jaheim Bell, you, you can say you can't stretch a defense. I think you can with him. You, you can't with Morlock. Morlock's not going to run by a cornerback, but Morlock will run by a linebacker, and I think Jaheim Bell can run with cornerbacks, and uh, Marquison can just post them up 12 yards downfield because nobody's getting around that body. So you got you got some uh, you got some options with those dudes. I don't know if I've ever heard of fourteen personnel, but why not? Yeah, man, try it out, Mike. Yeah. What else do you? What else, yeah, do it. What do you, what do you have all those tight ends in the room for if you're not going to play them all at once? Noel Boyo two. Hey, Azon and Corey, wake up! I watched a video where Buster Posey was mentioned as one of the best college baseball players of all time, but I asked my father; he believed J.D. Drew was better. So. Who was the better college baseball player, Buster Posey, J.D. Drew? It's a good question. It's a fair question. Uh, funnily enough, I was just uh, talking about that uh, recently with someone, and I and it's it's not close. I love Buster Posey. Mm -hmm. He had the best career of anyone, any Florida State player in the major leagues by far. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He needs to be in Cooperstown uh, in four years. Uh, J.D. Drew was the better college baseball player because I think J.D. Drew is the best college baseball player that ever lived. Uh, it is ridiculous what that guy did absolutely ridiculous he dwarfed well it's hard to say he dwarfed buster's numbers but
But he basically did in his, his, his last year, his junior year. He had 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases. He drove in over 100 and scored 100. Think about that production in this 55 or 60 game season. It's, it's absurd. And he, was a, he played center field and could run stuff down. It's just that, that combination of size and power and skill in those numbers, that production is just, it's, it will never, I don't think it'll ever be matched. And Buster was awesome. Uh, Buster was awesome for one year. JD was really awesome for two and a half to three. And JD was Superman his junior year. Like his numbers, even as good as Buster's were as a junior, JD's uh, were better. And yeah, so it's, it's JD, but you could certainly make the argument that Buster clearly was the better overall baseball player because of what he did at the highest level. Yeah, man, you know, I got to Florida State after J.D. Drew had left, but he was still spoken about with such reverence. I mean, he was like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I don't know how much of that was coming off the sort of the heels of that magical run they had where they were seemingly going to Omaha every single year. You know, meanwhile, Buster was kind of scratching and clawing to make it out there. Uh, and the program wasn't where it was in the 90s. How much of it is a technology, though, uh, Core? I'm trying to pull up some information here because I know – Buster was still in that window, I think, with the BB core bat or whatever they called it. But I feel like the bats the JD Drew had in the 90s were still even on a different level than yeah. what you know Buster was swinging. So it's kind of, it's not quite apples to oranges, but it's a little bit of a little bit of a hedge kind of in JD's favor, I think, with the way the bats and the balls were then. No. Oh sure, I, I just more than anything, it's it, it's uh, even if you say they were even as hitters, what JD did on the bases. The fact that he scored 100 runs and would take second on a, a bloop single or he would score from first on a double to the wall. like are the, Those are the things that he did that Buster just couldn't do because athletically he wasn't J.D. Drew. Uh, so that, that just his, his combination of the power, the batting average, and the speed is what, is what made him so unique. Like he was the, when, when you read those prospect reviews for the, the, the big-time players in his class, he was the fastest prospect. Like, not just always fast for a guy that hits home runs. No, he was he was major league elite speed fast. Uh, he could just, he could really, really run. Uh, but yeah. five-tool guy, right? Uh, yes, correct. Um, and it never quite worked out with him in major leagues. He had a nice career. He certainly wasn't like a bust, but he was not, you know, Buster Posey. And also, I think J.D. also had more moments in Omaha. Like you, you mentioned, his, his freshman year, he had a walk-off home run in Omaha. Uh, which you can't beat that. They still show that at, at uh, Hauser before the game, uh, opposite field walk-off. And then in the game, they ended up losing to Southern Cal in an elimination game. He had three home runs in that game. So he, he I think he used to have the record for most home runs in Omaha. So it, just, it was what he did on the biggest stage, too. And unfortunately, Buster only got there once. And because it's Florida State, they went 0-2. Um, but he was uh, bustered that last year, and they had a lot of elimination games. They lost to Bucknell somehow in the first round or the first game of the regional and then had to win four or five in a row to get out of that regional, and Buster was incredible. And then they lost to Wichita State in the first game of the Super Regional, and Buster was incredible in game two and three to get them out of that. So, yeah, man, they just, you're talking literally about two of the five or six best players that have ever played college baseball. I just I think J.D. is a, a tick above. Ira Brofell, okay. is this the year the Travel Council stops asking about Ira Henry? Yes. I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't either, but uh, if it's, if it's got to stop now. Uh, I would say uh, Deshaun Platt was maybe ended six or seven years ago. Yeah. Um, so now, and oh, and we still, uh, 
we we still got the Destin Hill. We actually have a question about him in the mailbag. Saga. I was going to say that that that's taken over for all of those other, uh, you know, chupacabra uh, type type people type type uh, uh, players. It's it's now it's all it's all been funneled into Destin Hill. Primetime 92. Wake up, Corey. At what point in your fitness journey does Mike Norvell realize he is not the best looking guy in the room anymore? I think that probably happened three months ago, Aslan, would you say? Accurate. Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, if you ask Stephanie to choose right now, she would. the question wouldn't even be done getting out of your mouth, mm. and she would say Mike Norvell. So I think he's just got some stuff that I, genetics I just can't compete with. There's but I would say. too, maybe. Pro, well, yes, <laughs> indeed. Uh, I will say that um, I think I'm in as good a shape as he is now, which is cool. And But I wanted to give him a shout-out. So now he doesn't race Robert Cooper anymore at the start of every practice. You know, for the people that don't know, they'll all huddle up in the IPF, the whole team, after they do their stretches at around, I don't know, the 10-yard line. And then last year, Robert Cooper would take off trying to sprint to the other end of the end zone, and Mike Norvell would sprint. Uh, in a race to beat him. And Norvell always beat him until the one, day, he, the one day he pulled his hamstring. But he always beat Cooper because Cooper's 340 pounds and Norvell's, I don't know, 180. But uh, I, saw, I saw Norvell race the entire defensive line on Wednesday, and my man looks like he's put on some uh, speed. Like, oh, he's added okay. some speed. Like, he was – I know I was about to say put on some weight. No, man, he he looked faster than he's ever looked since he's been doing this stuff at Florida State. Well, maybe it's he like he found an extra gear. Monday, he got he got taken to the cleaners, man, I think. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah, Monday he lost, uh, so. I didn't see – well, look, now, he lost to Patrick Payton on Wednesday, too. Okay. But it's Patrick Payton. I mean, at some point, I'm going to need my 235-pound defensive end to beat his 40-year-old coach in a okay. race. Like, okay. I'm not worried about that. The way Norvell was running with those guys, though, um, and they're not a lot of Robert Coopers in that group anymore. Uh, it was it was really impressive. The guys in uh, the guys in really good shape, it would appear. Not Corey Clark's shape, but then again, who is? Am I right, Aslan? Right, right. By uh, the way, asks, I've really screwed up my heel. Yeah, I've done something to my heel before we started recording. I like I can't run anymore right now. I'm doing power walking, which. I mean, I might. I, I don't feel great about it. I'll be honest. On a treadmill, power walking. I'm not. I'm not 100 happy with that. Hit the bike. And then, yeah, I might do it, or I might just stick with the rower instead yeah. of doing that at all. But um, right before we started recording, I hit my heel on uh, the chair I'm in, and it really shot through me. Like it, it's it's painful. It's not painful when I'm walking on it. It is painful when I run. But when I walk, I was fine. I felt. And then that was the worst pain of all is when I hit the back of my heel. So I'm worried it could be an Achilles. Um, it could be plantar fasciitis. Um, I'm not fired up about getting it checked out because I know that's what's going to end my my fitness journey is an injury, and I'm not excited about it. I was about to say, man, you're, we can't have all these aesthetics hitting on all cylinders and then the health not be there along with I it. Know. So let's, let's, yeah. let's prehab, rehab, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Primetime 19 wants for, <laughs> trying to get me to wade into some troubled waters here. Aslan is a single guy in the pot. I'm not going to answer this question. I'm just going to read it because I love you, Primetime 92. I was reading how women in their 20s and 30s are not dating or in relationships at much higher percentages than even 10 or 20 years ago. Do you think with the rise of social media, likes, attention, that more women value that status and holding out for a dream man more than just dating normal guys? Your thoughts. Hope you're not implying that I'm a normal guy. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, elite. he's clearly not. You yeah. are elite. Yeah. Now nah, things are changing, man. They uh, women have jobs and stuff, man. They don't need men anymore. <laughs> you know? What's the next question? <laughs> uh, We'll get into this at some other point, prime time. It's a good question. I'd love it. Uh, I'd love to have an hour-long conversation yeah. on how. Uh, no, it's great. I mean, listen, women are super ambitious, and you know, being in relationships, starting families, kind of throws a wrench into those plans more so than it does for a man. And uh, traveling. I mean, the only social media thing I will say is I do think there is a sort of Instagram wanderlust sort of uh, you know fantasy out there about traveling all over the place and how that should take precedence and. Uh, over like you know traditional sort of tracks or whatever so but otherwise no i don't think um the social media is really that much part of this whole equation i think it's more of like just professional wise there's more avenues for women to be successful than trying to find a man you know which is great i'm not complaining at all i hope you don't think i wasn't complaining everybody international women's day happy belated y'all i'll venmo mm. you 50 bucks give me your names <laughs> no dad for life wake up fellas i know it's hard right now to take too much away as we're only just in the first week of spring football. With that being said, which position group will be our strength? Which will be our weakness? Give me both offensive and defense. Also, who are the most vocal newcomers? Last year was verse. Who is it this year? Well, that's Byers. Yeah. 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 Jeremiah Byers is the, the most vocal that we can tell so far. Mm. Um, we'll, we'll get to see more. Again, we're pretty far away. Yeah. from uh from the action like we get to see it but we don't get to hear a lot but buyers is so loud you can hear them um i i would your actions speak so loud i can't hear your words mm, we're not we're not there I, yet you know what i told that yet. to brady i told that to brady um about a year ago i tell you what the more i get away from jimbo fisher the more i'm like you know what i see what you were doing jimbo i see what you were doing i, I all this applies even now um, I mean, right now, I, Brady's a show dog. He's not a hunting dog, <laughs> and I'm trying to make him trying to make him a hunting dog. Um, I would, I think, man, I don't. There's not a weak group on the offense. Correct. There isn't one. I, the, and I, I, I almost wouldn't say there's a strength either. They are all very, very strong. I don't know how you would differentiate between tight ends and offensive line, or running backs and tight ends, or running backs and receivers. They're all very strong. I think, think about maybe, think about the drop off from that starter to that's what I almost say like the offensive line. That's what I'm saying, line. but there isn't one. Well, right? I mean, right. from Jordan to Tate, that's going to be you'll feel that. But I think if Jeremiah Byers goes down and Bless Harris slides in, actually, I don't know. Jeremiah Byers is probably going to be really good, so he probably would yeah. feel that as well. But they're just it's hard to judge one guy that's on the field versus a five guy unit. I know they're individual pieces, right? But maybe it's through the prism that the offensive line was so just not strong for so long. The options were limited, and the options that you did have didn't seem to be all that capable. And now you have all these capable guys on your front line, and then behind them seem to be guys that are not going to let you down. They're not going to let go of the rope, if you will. So that to me is just that's incredible. So I'll, I have to celebrate that whenever we have the opportunity. But what's but what's cool about all of them? I mean, quarterbacks its own unique position. Like you you can certainly you could make the argument that it is the biggest strength of the team because of who's the starter. Um, but all those other positions, what's so cool about them is the depth and the versatility of the depth. I would say maybe running back is the least proven because you've got a but you've got a really good one in Benson. You know what Toa Feely can do. But, you you know, Rodney Hill hasn't really proven anything yet, neither has Keziah Holmes, but you know those guys are talented. Rodney Holmes is – uh, Rodney Hill's going to be very good, I think. So – and then wide receiver, same thing. You've got some guys that have proven a lot, some guys that haven't proven 
much at all. But the versatility of the experience, the versatility of the body sizes, the body frames, the types of athletes they are, uh, the fact that you probably go, you, you might have a rotation of seven or eight at wide receiver, like competent, good players. The fact that you have at least three tight ends, probably four or five. Um, again, that's just the, the depth of it right now, injuries aside, because there haven't been any really, that's what's so unique about this offense. There is not a weak point. I don't know what you – if we want to call offensive line its own position and not break it down to center, tackle, guard, I don't, I don't see a weakness in this on the offense. On defense, it's safety and linebacker. Yes. Strength, what do you think the strength is? D-line. Interior? Well, if we want to make it, uh, yes, interior if we want to get specific. But overall, again, that versatility, that group, you have a first-round pick off one edge. You have a dude that looks like Jared Verse on the other edge, just long and angular in Edmund. Uh, McClendon's a solid player. Peyton might be a dude, like a real dude. So you've got all that. You've got all that, and that's just the defensive end. And then like we talked about yesterday, uh, Daryl Jackson looks unlike any guy they've had in the ta in, at tackle here in a long time, and he's probably not going to start. Or he's at least he's going to split reps with Braden Fisk and Fabian Lovett and and uh, and Josh Farmer and those guys. So man, I just that 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 defensive line, if it can stay healthy, when you're running eight or nine deep, like legitimately eight or nine deep guys that can play and have played, uh, that's that's uh, really exciting. It's going to be a long day for your guys. We got practice later on this evening, but I'll be all right. Corey's going to be all right because we got vitamin energy on our sides. Vitaminenergy.com, promo code WARCHANT, B-O-G-O. -O. Add an item to your cart. Add another item for absolutely free, equal lesser value. Can't beat it. Vitaminenergy.com. I'll be fine because we got natural caffeine, 260 milligrams of it in one shot. I'll only take about half of it because that's all I need to go through the entire day. And I'm going to have a max effort lower leg day, Corey. Front goblet squats. Then we're going to hit the sled. Then we're going to do the leg press, little hack squat. Probably even going to mix in some deads. And I'm going to okay. make it out to practice. And you won't even notice that I'm totally fatigued because I'll have vitamin energy. We're going to go with the Immune Plus because the Tango Orange is so good. Not only do we have that natural caffeine, also some green tea extract as well and vitamins B12 and B2 to boost my immune system. Can't wait to see you there later today. I'm going to be all perky, though, so be ready, Corey. That's how I roll now. Like You're always perky. You're always perky, especially now that we have yeah, vitamin energies come on board. Vitaminenergy.com, promo code, again, Warchant, B-O-G-O. They're Knowles. Support them. They're helping you out with that awesome promo code. Vitaminenergy.com. Shake it and take it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Moving on, NYC Noel. What's up, fellas? Wake up! It's been a minute. Question for you. 
Do you see any scenario benefiting Florida State to slow play joining a conference? Could a slow play from us leading to the Big Ten SEC bidding war for our membership? If so, what is it? Or do we jump at the first offer on the table? Thanks, gentlemen. Drink the Luna. Click War Chant on the right. Yeah, that's right on the uh, on the podcast version. Let's bundle that as well, I guess, with Bishop sixteen seventeen. He was asking. By the way, he said he met a, uh, met me and Ira Pensacola last month. Longtime listener, first time question. Pensacola native, home of seminal great Derek Brooks, class of two thousand five alum. Pac-12 ACC, is that a real possibility of that merger? If it were to take place, where would this conference fall in the pecking order in relation to the Big 12? I think we'd be above the Big 12. Yes. Um, Yeah, so slow playing a conference, or do we just take the first lifeboat we see out there? NYC, Noel, Bishop, 1617 conference stuff. Corey, thoughts? Yeah, uh, well, in with the Pac-12, I just if, if it depends on what it looks like. But with Washington and uh, Oregon, and you know, I guess Dion and Colorado, uh, it would be appealing enough with all these other Arizona State could be something yeah. with old Dilly Dilly. Yeah. Um, Utah's been pretty solid. Yeah, with Utah's Kyle been good. I mean, that, that obviously, I think that's that's above the Big Twelve, but still below uh, the two big ones. Um, and it would be man, imagine that travel. Come on now. Uh, we don't need that. We don't need that in our lives. I would say, uh, no, you look, I, I keep saying this and it's the truth. I mean, if the big 12, if the big 10 makes you an offer, you seriously consider it, but you do give the sec a chance to counter hmm. it. That's exact. You have to do that because every Florida, every person listening to this show, I, not every person, let's say 97 to 99% of them would, would want once Florida state in the sec. It's a like-minded conference with like-minded fans. It's all closer. It's drivable, real fan bases. You're not having to go to Minnesota. You're not having to go to West Lafayette or East Lansing. You always wonder, what's West Lansing right like? You know what I mean? Like, it just they never even talk about West right. Lansing or right. East Lafayette. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Uh, do they not even exist? Like you, it's it's nuts. But um, so you, well, so I'm from you, East Lake, and there isn't a West Lake. Tarpon Springs is west of the lake, so. But it's not East Space Lake, right? It's all one word, East Lake. No, it's like East, Lansing. It's East Space Lake. Yeah. Oh, it, but Lake is Lake a city because Lansing is a city in Michigan. Oh yeah, well, there and you then go. there's East Lansing and West Lansing. Maybe it's just woods, or maybe it's the border. Maybe it's another. Maybe state. it's a lake. Yeah. Maybe the west part of Lansing is yeah. one of their lakes. Yeah. Um. So, but with with the Big Ten, Florida State fans would much prefer the Big Ten to the ACC. Clearly, they would, uh, every again, 99% of people listening to this would take the Big Ten over the ACC right now in a heartbeat. But you really do want to be in the SEC. It's the better conference. Again, it's better fan bases. It's closer, regionalized. A lot of Florida State fans live near and and go to work with Florida fans or Georgia fans or Auburn fans. Not many of them are going to, are, are, you know, friends with Michigan State fans or Northwestern fans. You're just not. It's just it makes more sense from a regional standpoint and a fandom standpoint to get to the SEC. But if they don't come calling, but the Big Ten's offering you twice as much money than the ACC is currently giving you, you would go to the you would go to the Big Ten in a heartbeat. But you would, I think, give the SEC a chance to counter, give them a chance to at least come close or get you the money that the Big Ten is offering you because. You just, that's what you want. That's what you want in the long game is to be playing Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, and LSU every year 
and not Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State. It'd be cool. Michigan and Ohio State would be cool. But I just think weather-wise, regional-wise, the the way most of us grew up watching college football, we care more about the teams in the South, and it would be a lot more, a lot more fun for us, I think. I just wonder, being in this this grant of rights, this whole twenty thirty six albatross that's hanging around from your neck, like does it make you like? Do you learn your lesson? Like we are going to do such due diligence, we are going to take our time. We will not be forced. We will not be cornered into signing something that is not good for our long term health and viability. Or is this such a bad albatross? Is this such a bad deal that you're in that as soon as anything from the Big Ten comes even across your – it's like, yes, yes. I didn't, I didn't look at it. Yes. We're in. Like, equal distribution? Yes. I Well, no, I think you what know? you do if you're if you're Michael Offord and the Big Ten comes calling and says, uh, we have a spot for you in 2027. I'm like, hey, well, you've, right now. you've got 24 hours. Like, they're not going to be like, yeah, you got two Correct. weeks and then you can it, have all this time to – Back channel the SEC. I feel like they became you got twenty four hours yesterday. Right, we but know. that's plenty of time to reach out to the SEC and tell them. Okay, and like, look, we're not BSing. They have an they have an offer for us right now to join in twenty twenty seven to run to twenty thirty three to be in the Big Ten where we'll be making eighty five million dollars a year as opposed to forty two million dollars a year. We are going to take it unless you give us a reason not to right now. And put the put the onus on them because the SEC does not want to. It, the, look, the SEC is cool with Florida State being in the ACC right now because that's not a threat to them. The Florida State and Clemson, if Clemson's a part of the deal, um, and Miami going to the Big Ten is a threat to the SEC. How that though? makes I mean, because like, that makes the Big Ten a viable a, a viable candidate to be the best conference in the country. Imagine Florida State, Clemson, even Miami, I guess to an extent, with Big Ten money. And you're already just added USC to go along with Michigan and Ohio State and Wisconsin and Penn State. Well, now I just named eight pretty darn big important football schools. But they still got they got Alabama and Texas and Georgia. Oh, I know. And, and Georgia I just and Auburn. They're so, so but I'm saying that's not that's not that's not as big a blowout as it sounds. Like that's a Penn State, Florida State, Clemson, Ohio yeah, but, State, but, Michigan, I, USC. That's close to Texas, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee, you, or whoever else you want to throw so in there. So, like, are you you're going to lose arguments on Twitter about who's the best conference? Like, ESPN is still probably going. They're going to continually give all the money they have and all the showcase they have to the SEC, even if Clemson and Florida State, and Miami go to the Big Ten. I mean, Fox can dress it up as much as they want. And I know you talked about Fox investing more into college football and the high noon slot has been a big deal. But man, it's I don't know, maybe I'm just so indoctrinated into the ESPN ecosystem. And I wake up on Saturday, I put on game day. I'm that guy. I don't think they're against us. I love Reese, and I love Desmond, and I love Kirk, and I love Coach Corso. Like, I grew up on game day. That brand is embedded in me, and nothing's going to change that, man. Just That's just the way it is. Like They can, I don't know, they can put Jimbo on high noon when he gets fired and put him on Fox. Probably not going to watch the Fox pregame show. I just... I, I saw these sort of words about the the big you know SEC feeling threatened if Clemson and Florida State were to leave, and I'm not trying to slander our university here, man. I just don't know like who would ESPN lose a sleep if that happens. Like, I mean, I don't know like where 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 do they start feeling losses? I mean, is it a PR hit? Do they feel that I don't know advertisers are going to want to go on Fox's game lineup and, and advertise on those games rather than ESPN? I just I don't know where that kind of dynamic comes to play. I hope I that's think it, true. Though. But I think yeah. it becomes a real rivalry um, of conferences in the sense that, again, Florida State and Clemson with Big Ten money become 
you know, very, very viable candidates to get in the playoff and win national titles um, repeatedly because they've done it without Big Ten money. So that, I think, threatens the SEC ecosystem. And you, they, all the, all the, uh, the way they, they, they uh, promote every time a, a, an SEC team pulls off an upset, oh, that's the best three-loss team in the country. <laughs> well, they lost to Tulane early. It doesn't matter. That's the best three-loss team in the country. They do that all the time. That stuff will fall more on deaf ears when there's another conference that has as many teams in the top 20 as the SEC and has as many teams in the playoff as the SEC. It could be five and five, man. Like, I, I'm just saying there, there could be, right now they dominate the Big Ten when it matters in the playoffs. I don't think that happens if nearly as much when you start talking, maybe they get Washington and Oregon too. And so now you're talking about USC, Washington, Oregon, all getting this Big Ten money, being part of the AFC, and the SEC is the NFC. I think it goes back and forth. I think it becomes, instead of the SEC dominating the postseason, I legitimately think it becomes a, a two-way, yeah, it becomes a, it becomes a two-conference sport, but two really good conferences. Really good conferences. I would love to see Florida State getting Vanderbilt money. This is me more being like, I'm just, I can't buy all the way into Clemson. Like, I get it. They've been much better than Florida State the last 10 years, but I've been on the planet for longer than 10 years. And Clemson has not been that great most of the years I've been on this planet. So, like, that's that's where most of this sort of comes into play with me about feeling threatened and stuff. And I get it, man. They've they've had a hell of a run, man. I I am jealous and envious of the run that Clemson has had of late. But I also understand that this sport is so cyclical. And, I mean, I don't know, like, it, was their run in the early, the late 70s, early 80s, was that even really a run? I mean, I know they got a ring out of it. That's awesome. But otherwise, they've been pretty forgettable most of my life. So, I just right. – I, I don't – us, Florida State being on the upswing, for sure. That's a huge piece of any puzzle that puts you into these markets down here in Florida. And you have so many Big Ten folks in the state of Florida, all of Ohio and Michigan, they all transplant down here. So that maybe makes things a little bit interesting for the, the conference war. So, But good points. Well, though, and, sure, you, and you look at the – and you look at the, and we'll, we'll get off this right here after this, but like the current landscape of the sport, the modern, modern college football, how many current Big Ten schools have proven they can win a national championship in modern college football? Penn State, I guess. But in 94, if you it, want though. to count that. Like, but in 94, yeah. if you want right. to count 94, right. they did. And you know they, they have the infrastructure and the fan base and the coach, quite frankly, where maybe they can pull it off or have a, a, a great yeah. run. Yeah. But Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, USC. Well, that's seven teams right there that have proven, have won national championships in the last out of 30 years that's right up there with the sec man yeah you know that's that's all that's all but so clemson the point being clemson has proven they can do it what is the absolute ceiling of a arkansas or an Ole miss or a mississippi state or a northwestern or a purdue or a michigan state i don't think it's a national championship there aren't those are kind of rare clemson is one of those teams that can has proven it can win a national championship yeah all right i don't want to further argue let's go all right there you go Random underscore John. Good you morning. just think Dabo's awesome. You think it's all about Dabo. I got you. I feel you. <laughs> I was about to say, it's, it's been one dude, and it's been a yeah. confluence of this program being in such a rut and him taking advantage of it, to his credit, but it's been one dude and a really weird, a, a very non-traditional sort of role for Florida State to find themselves not being the top dog in this conference to allow them to be successful. Now Florida State's on the upswing. We'll see how if there's enough room for both of us. 
in this 12-team. In the 12-team playoff, yes, but the four-team, eh, but there's only one more year of it, so it's moot. All right, let's go. Sorry. Th- thanks for letting me get another word, Edgewise, you got Corey. It. You got it, man. You got it. Good morning, Alzon and Corey. Random underscore John writes, I hope you both are feeling right as rain today. Is that a saying? Yeah, it is. I, yeah. I don't like rain. I don't. I don't like rain. Right, I don't two, understand the saying, but it is yeah. a saying. Well, that's when I was in Mississippi and it was raining and it was sunny out, and someone was like, "Huh, looks like the devil's being his wife again." I'm like, "Yep, that's a, that's a that's a southern saying." I'm my like, mom, uh, my mom knows that one too. She oh. she introduced Stephanie to it yeah. uh, a few months ago. Stephanie's like, "What?" Yeah. And so yeah. All right, I have two questions. It's actually it's got cool to- that the devil got married. Right? If the devil, you know I mean? there's hope for me. There's hope. Exactly for me. right, Aslan. If the devil can get married, shoot. And I won't beat you, women. I promise. There you go, uh, Aslan. With May fast approaching, how are you both now feeling about Sam Spiegelman's December tweet about the elusive Destin Hill? Again, Sam Spiegelman on three recruiting reporter, very locked in to Louisiana recruiting. Tweeted out in December that uh, there's expectations that. Dustin Hill will enroll at Florida State in May, a source told him. How do we feel about that now? I haven't even I have, thought about it until I just I saw that. Yeah. Yep, I haven't either. I, I, and that's, you know, I guess that's not us really being in tune with uh, the program we cover. But, yes, I again, in May, if he shows up, that'll be something to talk about. But I just I don't have the slightest clue when, if that's happening, when it happens, and if it will make a hill of beans difference. Yeah. In 2023 or beyond, quite frankly, because they've they've upped the receiver room a little bit where Dustin Hill doesn't come in and immediately you're wondering if he's going to get playing time. Here's a hint. He will not. Um, so he maybe in 2024, he becomes something. But 2023, he won't make an impact, even if he's here. And yeah, the numbers they have right there over 85, I think, if you if yes. the people that count scholarships that post the stuff on the board. So I don't know why they bring in a position that they don't need but hey, if he shows up cool i just uh I, I don't i think most people are like sure wake me up i don't think there's a lot of people right. that are like dead focused on this so i don't feel bad about maybe not being in tune with it question number two it's a three-parter so let me that's two three and four though yeah let me put my glasses on for this after coach hamilton pulled the coach bowden and built a program only to tear come on only to tear it down uh what do you feel is the best approach moving forward there's a question mark after that. Keep the guy who tore everything down so badly that FSU had its worst season ever or move on to someone else? Question mark. If they keep Ham, how many awful players? Oh my gosh. Uh, these are not my words. I'm just reading them on my screen. But if they keep Hamilton, how many awful players does he need to kick off the team to make room for those super sweet five-star transfers who want to play for a 75-year-old coach in his possible last season coaching? Question mark. What would that roster look like the year after for the new coach? Question mark. So that's actually four question marks, I think. So it's a four-parter. Feel free to do what you want with that one, Corey. Really a five-parter if you count the Destin Hill start at the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, uh yeah, look, this isn't Bobby Bowden. Uh, number one, his highs weren't nearly as high. Um, Litter never won a championship. Um, and his lows were much lower than Bobby Bowden's ever were. So this isn't a Bobby Bowden uh, a, a comparison, I don't think. Bobby Bowden was here for 35 years. He built the best program in the country. Leonard never had the best program in the country. He might have had the best team one year, but uh, that, that's it's just not a comparison. And all, so the point being, 
they were probably, as we look back, a little too patient with old Bobby. Like the writing was on the wall pretty quickly about an offensive coordinator he hired, but they let that go because he was Bobby Bowden, and they were still winning enough that um, you know it, it. They they allowed it to mire in mediocrity and then get to and then become just a bad program, um, and then finally there was enough is enough, and they ripped the bandaid off seven eight years after it started going downhill. That will not be the case with Florida State. You were talking about two bad years in a row. One that we can we can say it's an excuse or not. They got crushed by injuries. They are probably an NCAA tournament team last year if Polite and Osborne and some other guys didn't get hurt. Like Polite and Osborne specifically. Like remember that team beat Duke. Duke made the Final Four. Florida State beat Duke last year and was like five or six and two in conference until the avalanche of injuries happened. They were not a great team. They had certainly taken a step back from the Scotty Barnes team and two step, three step backs from the Trent Forrest team, but they were a fringe bubble tournament team. This team was awful. With or without injuries, this was going to be a bad basketball team. It turned into the worst in school history. That said, that's not enough with what Leonard Hamilton's done. Two, two bad years, one awful year, one injury-plagued year isn't enough to say, in my opinion, see, old man, Thanks for what you did. We don't believe that you can have a good season next year because of the current landscape of the sport. Like we talked about, what was Miami two or three years ago, man? That I remember watching those Laranega teams come into the Civic Center and just not compete. Like just give up 100 points. Like literally, Leonard's beat, Leonard beat them nine times in a row. Uh, so that Miami team was not very good. They stuck with that guy. They hit the portal, and now look where they are. They're the number one seed in the tournament, in the ACC tournament. They're probably going to be a four or a five in the NCAA tournament. They just made the Elite Eight. So it's not – and he's old too. He's as old as the Hills. So it's not like it can't be done. The point being – but the overall point is this. If it looks anything like – maybe it doesn't even matter if it looks anything like it. It might be his last year either way, or it might be – if you don't have, you don't get to the tournaments your last year. It's certainly, if you lose twenty games again, it's your last year. Like you can't keep doing this forever. But I, I do think that he, in my opinion, has earned the right to try to get it right before he leaves. But there needs to be an exit strategy in place. This cannot go on in perpetuity, where you're wondering every year if it's Leonard Hamilton's last year. I mean, Bayheim just stepped down. Williams and Kay have stepped down. Like all these. Um, icons of the game of the coaching fraternity are stepping down. So Leonard knows that his time is short. He probably just doesn't want to go out with a nine and 23 record. And that offered, I think will probably give him one more year to try to get it right. And yeah, you're right. Maybe he doesn't get a bunch of, I mean, I think again, the school is more appealing. You get to play in the ACC for a program that has been good. That has a good fan base when they're good. And uh, that could be appealing to a kid. That's awesome at Towson or is awesome at Nevada. He might want to come play in the ACC. So that can happen. Look, those Miami guys weren't incredible transfers. And look where they are. I mean, you know what I mean? They weren't yeah. like a kid transferring from Kentucky. And uh, and they ended up look, looking like this now. So, you know, I, I, it's, not, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that the basketball team can be good next year. It won't be great. Probably not going to win a title. But I don't think – I do think Leonard deserves one more year to try to figure it out. And but at that point, it is not Leonard Hamilton University; it's Florida State University. And if he can't figure it out, if it's still struggling, if they're losing money because nobody's going to the games because they're non-competitive, you make a change. It's not really relevant what the roster would look like the year after for the new coach, right? Because whoever in this landscape, whoever is a new coach, is going to purge and bring in all new yes. sorts of guys, right? So yes, correct. Just to touch on that one. 
All right, uh, let's bundle these next two, and then we got two after that, and then we'll be done. Uh, okay, because right. I've got looks like I've got uh, seventeen minutes. Minute, I've okay, got seventeen better. minutes left on my battery charger. Even on better. my battery. Old dads and old wake up when the team in Athens replaces their quarterback this year. Those in competition have the luxury of knowing they will have a running game and time to throw. What a luxury! I realize we are light years ahead of where we were three years ago, but we struggled at times with above average defensive lines. My question is, how far out are we from going into a season with that same situation as the team up north? Cheers, old dad. My truth, wake up. Corey, getting ready to set sail for spring break. Enjoy. Mm, I can't wait, man. I, I just It's going to be something. You guys have seen the guys up close. What's the over-under in games next year in where we control the line of scrimmage? So Nine? You know, this is me being tongue-in-cheek in the open about, you know, a, a, a world where Florida State scores, you know, has 600 yards and no one gets touched. Just who doesn't struggle with above-average defensive lines but still manage the way to score 30 points, right? I mean, that, if you're a really good offense, you can struggle at times with above-average defensive lines and still score 30 points, which is pretty much where Florida State found themselves most situations other than an NC State game. Um you know, other than the 2013 team, which is a really cool thing to shoot for, and I guess we're looking at Alabama in this situation here, Corey. I am—I do not think Florida State is some sort of inferior opponent that just magic dust and a really awesome schedule made them look great. It didn't hurt, but I don't know. Do you do you feel this sort of need? This this there's an anxiety underlying in you, Corey, about what happens when this team starts playing really good teams with really good defensive lines. Uh, no, I, I think that, um, you know, like you pointed out, they're going to like Clemson, you know, they put up 28 points, probably should have been 35 points and almost 500 yards of offense against that defense. Uh, and, but there were, yes, there were times when people got blown up and ruined plays and lost six yards or had to throw it away because your right tackle got beat or your guard got beat. Well, Clemson does that. Those are NFL guys. They're not, I trust me. I watched a lot of Georgia football. That offense didn't click on all cylinders the whole season like it did against TCU. I, I think they scored one one or two touchdowns against Kentucky. Like it wasn't it wasn't like I would say that Florida State's offense was just as good as Georgia's, and I'll make a bold prediction and say that Florida State's offense in twenty twenty three will be better than Georgia's. Um now that doesn't mean it's gonna be a better football team because there's another side of the ball. But Florida State will have a very good offense. There will be some defensive lines that give the offense issues because that's what happens with football they, they there are some guys that are really hard to block lsu has a linebacker that's impossible to block apparently um so that's not going to be fun but overall i think florida state's going to move the ball and score a lot of points on on almost everyone and i do think that florida state is close i don't know that they have look man georgia and those teams have top 10 picks on offensive in the offensive line are, are you know four picks that four guys that'll be drafted in the first two or three rounds that's a nfl offensive line like the 13 team did i don't foresee florida state having that this year um but you know they're gonna have they have guys that will play in the league multiple guys in my opinion that will that will find a roster spot in the nfl that's an enormous step up from the days of of recent year with, with this with this program so yeah i mean they're not they're not going to be georgia's offensive line but they're they're pretty darn good and they're deep. As long as they stay healthy, that's a deep offensive line that has a lot of versatility and a lot. And at least in my opinion, I don't know, man, two or three, four guys that will play on Sundays. And Byers, 
for all I know, Byers might be the best offensive lineman in the in the conference. We'll see, but he's really impressive physically. Our guy Mark down in Naples. Way up. Who's been the most impressive newcomer at practice? What returning veteran do you think has taken the next step and looks to be most improved? FSU football's fun again. Go Noles. It is fun again, hmm. Mark. Absolutely, buddy. Uh, my ooh, my battery's running low. Oh, ooh. Im- impressive newcomer Vandravius Jacobs. Uh, yeah, or um, uh, my guy from Mississippi that I can never oh, remember. Oh, Quindarius Jones. Quindarius Jones. Jones. Uh, I like both of them, and we the reason that it's a wide receiver and a DB is because that's about all the uh, commentary we can get through two days without pads. Again, Friday it'll be much better to see uh, the the other guys, the other guys that we and I, I assume newcomers. We we went with freshmen. Um, it, it'll be really it'll be much more fun and easy to to see who's who's really standing out once pads come on. But, yeah, Vandravis Jacobs has been really impressive, just that speed, and he's caught most everything. Um, he seems to be a hard worker, and uh, he competes, which is all good to see. And returning veteran, I mean, Julian Armella is not quite a veteran, but he looks like he's maybe done the best in the weight room. DJ Lundy's up there as well, but I don't know if I can say their play has been most improved because, again, it's been a little bit early without pads. Um, anybody returning-wise, Corey, thought that as – kind of maybe improved upon what you saw last year? A.J. Duffy? Not yet. You know, but not yet. Uh, A.J. Duffy, but he's not really a right. veteran. But, yes, he's he's been the best of – he he's made, to me, a pretty big jump from last year to this year. I hope we can answer, like, Thomas Schrader or Dennis Briggs or Derek McClendon. To Wouldn't like that, that be something? Yeah, like that'd be cool. One of those guys, that's you want to see him make yeah. that step. All right, last question. We love you, Mark. Sorry to gloss over it, but we got battery issues. Tennis Ump, our guy Dave, Birmingham, wake up. Cannot wait for the season to begin. Do you believe that we will have a 1,000-yard rusher and a 1,000-yard receiver? Thank you. Drink the Luna. Support all the sponsors. Go Knowles. I do. Yes. yes. I think Benson will get there, and I think uh, Johnny Wilson will get there uh, on the other at receiver. Um, but, yeah, again, that's you, you saw how good this offense was last year, and it had neither. So uh, it's not like a prerequisite to be great. To have a thousand a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver, it's more about the totality of the team and the stats. But uh, yeah, I think both those guys will take another step. Again, that's the first year of really playing college football, mm. and uh, if they can both stay injury free, uh, I I foresee them both taking you know jumps and being even better than they were their first year. And so that should you know mean more production, more stats, more touchdowns, all the fun stuff. Boom. Period. There we go. We made it, everybody. Stay connected to WarChant.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock, WarChant TV, as well as 93.3 FM. And then 3.15, they'll be stretching. So we might have practice video up around 4 in the afternoon. And then check back 5.30-ish, 5.45. We'll have interviews after practice. And then maybe some uh, footage of Jameis Winston throwing a pitch off the hill at Dick Hauser Stadium as well. So it's going to be a busy the radar gun. Hope they have a radar gun going. Yeah. And I'm telling you what, the way Jameis's NFL career is in, you know, in, not in peril, but in flux right now, maybe my man thinks if maybe this is an audition. Okay. If he goes out there and throws 94 on his first pitch, maybe he maybe he gets into a spring training somewhere. Well, Alex Anthropolis, is he back? He's back, right? They, uh, is, is, is he, he's not with Atlanta anymore, though. But they, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, there. All right, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, they could always use bullpen help. Yeah, there we go. Uh, he's Corey. I'm Aslan. Thank you for listening to Wake Up War Chant presented by the Corner Pocket Barn Girl. Don't forget, sign up for WarChant.com. Ten bucks for four months. Do it. Have a great weekend, everybody.